Welcome to NFOP Church Message of the Week. We pray you are challenged by the Word. For more information, please visit www.fhop.church. If you have your Bible, and I hope you do, Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11. All right, so if you have your Bible, turn me to Hebrews 11. I want to start off by telling you a story today of a time uh, when I was a newlywed man. How many know things are just harder when you're newlywed? It's just a reality. You're still figuring out how to live life and all these things, and we were having the normal like highs and lows of newlywed life. And uh, we were we were living off just my paycheck because she was going to school. It was like $7 and something an hour. And uh, you, know, you, you make it work. We were being faithful with our tithe and doing all that stuff that you do. And uh, one day I decided, hey, I forgot to I forgot to deposit my paycheck. So I went looking for my paycheck, and I could not find it. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks, John. John knows. I lived with John for a while. He said that that wouldn't surprise me. Um, Couldn't find my paycheck. How many know I tore my house apart looking for that paycheck? Guess where the paycheck wasn't? In my house. It was actually a 400-square-foot apartment, so it didn't take me long to, <laughs> to, to look for it. This, this stage is bigger than my first apartment. Um, so I tore through my car. Guess where else the paycheck wasn't? It wasn't in my car. It, well, yeah, my 400-square-foot car. We were, um, so... The only place I hadn't looked was the trash, and we had one of those out, like back alleys that ran right next to our apartment where we put our trash. And it was also trash day, like where the trash guy comes through the alley and picks up the trash. Once I realized that I'd searched all the possible areas and it occurred to me that it was trash day, I sprinted for the trash can. Not a casual walk, not a, hmm, maybe I should... L- sit down and make a sandwich no it was like i will not be eating sandwiches for the next week if i don't sprint towards the trash can sprint towards trash can get there in time and i start tearing through the trash not not gently but at this point i'm worried worried there was nothing graceful about it i didn't care what was in the trash I didn't care all the nasty things I would have to touch. I wanted my paycheck. I'd worked hard for it. I needed it. So I dug through the trash. And you know what? It wasn't there either. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> You're like, no, that'd be the worst. It was there in the trash. And have me know the sigh of relief when I realized that that paycheck was there in the trash. I had it in my hand. And you better believe. I walked straight to my car, drove straight to the bank, smelly and all, and deposited that nasty smelling check. 
because I needed it in my bank account. I learned an important lesson that day as a young man uh, about depositing your paycheck immediately. Now I do direct deposit. No more trash cans involved. Uh, We are talking about faith this month, and my story will make sense here in just a moment. We're talking about faith this month. We're going through Hebrews chapter 11, and what we're going to do is we're going to go through story by story of these men and women of God that it talks about in Hebrews chapter 11, which tells us what faith is. Now, last week we went through the beginning part, and if you weren't here last week, I highly encourage you to go online or go to Spotify and and just look for FHOP Church or go to the website fhop.church and listen to last week's message because it's going to inform me a lot of backstory of what faith actually is. And so for the sake of just the flow of it, I am going to go ahead and start with Hebrews 11, verse 1. It says this, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, for by it, by faith that is, the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are invisible. And last week what we were talking about is how we express our faith a lot of times through words. And, a, and when we're exercising faith, what we're ex- exercising is faith in the word. That's the word of God by which the whole universe was made. Write this down. It really goes good with last week. It's 2 Corinthians 4, verses 13 through 18. It says this. Since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believed, and so I spoke. We also believe, so we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake, so that grace extends to more and more people it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God so that we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For the slight momentary affliction is, uh, excuse me, is preparing for us the, ex- the eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient but the things that are unseen are eternal. And that, that's basically last week's entire message preached in just a few verses right there. But here in Hebrews 11, we're going to continue on to the next few verses. And originally I was just going to go one little story by one little story, but both of these uh, stories are found pretty close together uh, in, in Genesis. And so I wanted to go ahead and, and do them both today. And this is what it says. We're going to go from verse 4. And we're going to go all the way uh, down to verse 6. And this is what it says. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. Say, accepting his gifts. And through his faith, Though he died, he still speaks. We're going to pause right there. It says, though he died, he still speaks. And I think that's a pretty amazing thing. We find this story, actually, over in Genesis. 
And if you if you'd like to turn over there to Genesis, the fourth chapter. And it starts in verse one, and this is what it says. This is right after Adam and Eve. They've been kicked out of the Garden of Eden. And this is what it says. It says, Now Adam knew Eve his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. And the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry, and why has your face fallen? And, and this is a lot of uh, questions that you'll You'll see people debate sometimes is, why did the Lord accept Abel's offering? And why did he reject Cain's? And, and sometimes you'll hear people say, well, you know, one brought an animal and one brought just food from the ground. And that's not the case. That, that's not why he accepted one and not the other. That, I mean, they were both bringing things that had to do with the kind of job they had. So it wouldn't be really right. For him to expect Cain to bring something that he didn't actually have. What we see here is, is an answer actually right in the text. Of why he didn't accept Cain's offering. And it was just simply this. You didn't do well. You didn't do well. Like I would accept your gift if you would have done well. And well you see with Abel what does he bring? He brings his firstborn and the fat. Like the choicest portions of the animal. He brings that to the Lord. He brings to the Lord his very best. Where Cain just brings something. And I think that gets us because we think because we go to church on Sunday, like, God, I'm doing something for you, that the Lord's happy. But the Lord isn't wanting your something. He's wanting your best. What I think is crazy here is what we'll see is Cain has murder in his heart, but he actually hasn't killed anyone yet. He hasn't killed anyone yet, and the Lord hasn't accepted his offering. And it tells me, it reminds me of where he says to, to, uh, to um, uh, Samuel about David. He's like, look, look, the Lord, he's looking at your heart. Man looks on the outward appearance but God, he's looking at your heart. And that's like us. We want to look good on the outside. We want to look like we're doing something great for the Lord. Here, I'm doing this thing, God. I'm bringing you something. I have all the look going on. But God, he's looking deep down inside of each one of us. And he's wondering, where are we at? Where are you at? Well, I'm in church. I know that you're here. And this is something I, I find as a high school teacher. I know you're here, but are you here? Right? I know you're here, but are you here? 
I know you I know you say all the right things and do all the right things, but but are you really serving the Lord with your heart? And that's why sometimes we were just taking up tithes and offering just a little bit ago. Sometimes people struggle with tithes because they want to look like they're doing the thing, but it's hard for them to give up something that's so important to them, something that is sacrificed. Because giving, as we see with Abel, he gave his best. He gave his first fruit. And that's what giving our money is all about. We're giving our best. We're giving our first fruit. But, but even, let's, let's get away from money for a second. Let's just talk about your life, your heart, your time, your emotions. Are you giving God your best, or are you just giving something you find? There's been times, my girls, oh my goodness, uh, you parents know you get invited to a lot of birthday parties. Right? And there's times where you're like, okay, uh, we need to run to the store and buy another gift for another birthday party. There's been a couple of times where I was like, girls, just go in your bedroom, find what you got. So let's, let's go. It's a shame to say it. But it was... Okay, I guess that's what they get. Let's go. Um, you don't want to show up with nothing. That's embarrassing. Just to show up with something. But we give our very best. What it goes on to say is this. This is God's continued response to Cain. After he says, why are you angry? Why is your face fallen? And he falls with this. Sin is crouching at the door. It desires... Its desire is contrary to you, but you have must rule over it. Or it desires to devour you. It desires to take over it. And it's this, this whole idea of, of here's, here's the door and here's sin crouching, almost like a wild beast just waiting for you to open the door, looking for that opportunity. And it desires you. And sometimes in our life, we don't realize that, that we, we think, oh, I'm going to be okay. Everything's all right in my life. What we don't realize is, is, is some of the sin that we now struggle with so deeply. We're like, how did I get here? How is this such a, a beast that I'm fighting in my life? Is that one day we kind of just cracked the door open just a little bit. We didn't realize that sin was just waiting for that. Listen, you have an enemy. We live in a day and age where people don't like to talk about the devil much. Um, he's real. And he's trying to wreck your life. Uh, I also say you're real and you're also trying to wreck your life. Um, you don't need the devil's help at all. So if, if you're like, well, I don't know, Pastor, about all this devil stuff. Well, then just realize that you'll wreck your life, too, without the devil's help. And sin is crouching at the door, looking for an opportunity to take you out. God has a plan and purpose for your life. It's powerful. It's mighty. It's to use you in a way to advance the kingdom of God. And if, if the enemy can derail you from that, distract you from that, then it's going to help him out a great deal. There are things in your life that you need to make sure the door stays shut and locked on. There's certain doors you should never open. There's certain things that, that even in my own life, I know might not be necessarily bad things, but I know 
opening that door just a little will bring me into other bad things. Well, this isn't so bad. I can get in just to just to this. A and let's look at this story right here. What's going on here? Well, what is the what is the door right here? Well, for, for Cain, it is just a little resentment towards his brother. He's just resenting his brother for he's jealous that God accepted his offering. It's just a little bit of jealousy, just a little bit of resentment, and we don't think that's such a bad thing. And he cracks that door open just a little like, I shouldn't I have a right to be a little upset with him? Shouldn't I? I mean, it's not quite fair in my mind. And he opens that door, and what we see later, it turns into something even worse. And as we see as we go on this passage, it says this. It says, Cain spoke to his brother, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. God warned Cain even. He said, look, sin is crouching at the door. And then he said this, you have to rule over it. This is on you. You have to rule over it. I'm reminded Jesus said a very similar thing in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 21 through 24. He said this. He said, you've heard that it is said to those of old, you shall not murder. And whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says you fool will be liable of the fire of hell. So if you are offering your gift at the altar and remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother, then come and offer your gift. More important than your worship is this reconciliation and love towards your brethren, towards your brothers and sisters. The reality is Cain had killed Abel in his heart before he actually rose a hand against him. And I know across this room we're all like, well, I'll never actually murder any, anybody. But Jesus, that's kind of the point he's making. He's like, you don't have to. We don't murder people, but we'll murder him in our heart. And, and this, is, this is no small thing. Listen, Jesus wasn't, I mean, this is not one of those passages that you're going to see up in a women's bathroom at some church somewhere. If you hate someone, you're in danger of the fires of hell. Hell's another topic we don't talk about a lot. Jesus wasn't mixing words here on this. Hating someone's really bad. Calling someone a fool is it's it's bad. It's serious. So we have to do a check in our own heart and say, okay, maybe there's some people that we need to forgive. And forgiveness, and th this is a whole sermon for another time, but I'm going to go preach part of it right now anyway because i got a captive audience. Um, but forgiveness isn't fair for the person offering the forgiveness. In fact, the way Scripture describes it, in fact, the way Jesus describes it as as when you have to forgive someone, the person you're having to forgive, they owe you an, a debt. I mean, you've heard it, but like, 
I'm not going to forgive him. He owes me an apology. And in Scripture, it's like a money transaction where they actually owe you money. They owe you something. They owe you because they've wronged you. And we say, it, you owe me an apology. There's some wrong where there's an imbalance here. And now, and when Jesus taught us to pray, he said, forgive us of our debts. Right? Like, you've wronged me. You owe me a debt in this imbalance. And so to forgive that debt means it costs you something. And that's hard. Say, you know what? You owe me. Parables Jesus taught, he actually used actual money as a way to sh demonstrate this. You owe me, but I forgive your debt. I forgive your debt against me. And that means it costs you something. It costs that apology sometimes. It costs you. Forgiveness is a choice. And I've, I've spent so many times, and I know I've said it here so many times before, that we, sometimes when we pray, Lord, help me to forgive them. And I'm not sure that's an appropriate prayer. Because God doesn't put, I mean, he can. He can put a thing in your heart to help you forgive. But forgiveness is a choice that we have to, like, I decide that even though they owe me, I forgive that debt against me. I'm going to tell you, if you can get to that place, you will walk in so much more freedom. And the reason that people are guilty of this Matthew 5 stuff, of this anger and this you fool attitude, is because people who have wronged them. And they want them to pay back the debt. Let's go back to Cain for a second. He's killed Abel and says, Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is Abel your brother? And he said, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? I said that once to my mom. When we were in high school, I was like, am I my brother's keeper? And she goes, you know what part of the Bible that's from, right? I was like, no. She goes, that's when Cain killed Abel. I was like, I think he's playing out in the yard, actually. I don't, I'll go look. He's fine. I promise he's fine. Um, and the Lord said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. And let's, let's. We talk about Cain here, but let's let's talk about Abel for a second, because that's actually what this passage in Hebrews is about. It's not actually about Cain; it's actually about Abel. And when the Lord says, "Your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground," actually, what Hebrews says is that Abel's faith still speaks to us even today. It says, "Though he died, he still speaks." And that challenges me in my heart. And, and what I wrote in my notes was, does my life, of, my life of faith speak beyond me? Not, not just when after I die will people still talk about my faith in Christ, but, but when I'm just not in the room, when I'm just not around other people, is my life of faith still speaking to them? You know, Drew... And he really lives for the Lord, and his faith speaks to me. And that's my question to you. Does your faith speak to other people in a way 
that speaks beyond just your words and your actions into a place where it echoes in such a way that when you're not in the room and even after you die, will your faith continue to speak to other people around you? I, one of the, the most wonderful slash terrible things um, is when you go to a funeral of a believer. It, it's hard because you've lost someone so dear to you, but it's, it's so wonderful to hear the goodness of the Lord from that person's life. And even though they're gone, their faith is still speaking. In 1 Corinthians 10.31, you can just write this, these three verses down. It says this. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. So everything I'm doing, every action I get involved in, I'm doing to the glory of God. So I'm going out to eat, which we talked about a couple weeks ago. I'm eating for the glory of God. I can get with that one. If I'm, if I'm going out to drink, oh, I'm going to preach. Am I doing it for the glory of God? Whatever I do, if I'm going to church, I'm going to do it so people think I'm great, I'm a good person, or am I doing it? For the glory of God. When I go to work, am I doing it for the glory of God? When I'm about to post that Facebook post or send that Snapchat, am I doing it for the glory of God? So my faith speaks beyond me. In Colossians 3.17, um, and I love Colossians so much, it says, And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. It's just saying the same thing. And also down in verse 23 through 24, it also says, Whatever you do, work heartily, as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive an inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. Everything you do, you're doing it for the Lord. And so, yeah, I know you work for your boss, but you don't. You're working for someone even better, and that's the Lord. We're working everything through the Lord, who has all victory and all power and all honor and all praise. This is, a, this, is, this is the man that rose himself from the dead. That's who I'm working for. And that kind of changes everything we do, so that when we're not in a room, our faith still speaks. It speaks to our boss. It speaks to our friends. It speaks to the people that we're around on a daily basis. This is the part of Cain and Abel that, that just speaks to my heart so greatly. Go back to Hebrews chapter 11. Because today we're not just going to do Cain and Abel. We're also going to keep on because I believe uh, the rest of these few verses here actually go together because we just we just read about having a reward for working heartily for Christ verse 5 by faith Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death and he was not found because God had taken him Now, before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. Now, this is kind of a crazy story. 
And where we actually find it is, uh, we actually find it in Genesis chapter 5, and, and you can just listen to me read it. You don't have to turn there. It says, when Enoch had lived 65 years, he fathered Methuselah, who was lived for forever. Um, and Enoch walked with God after he fathered Methuselah 300 years. Now, things were, this is before the flood. People lived a long time before the flood. There's a lot of theories as to why. But it could have just said, and then he lived 300 more years after he fathered Methuselah. So he, he was 365. But it doesn't say that. It says he walked with God for 300 years. He walked with God. He didn't live. Some of you, you live. And some of you walk with God. That, that's like, there's a difference between living and walking with God. There's a lot of people out there living. There's not a lot of people out there walking with God. I love this way. It says he, he walked with God after he fathered Methuselah 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus, all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch walked with God. It just said it again. And he was not. For God took him. The guy doesn't die. The guy just. Whoosh, I, what? What? To be so close to God. He's like, you know what? You've been walking with me so much that I, I you're not going to taste it. I'm just, just come on. Just come on. Just walk with me. You've been walking with me? Just come on. Man, I want to be that close to God. That was my goal when I was a kid. I was like, I'm going to be like Enoch. I want to walk so close to God that I'll never die. And then, you know, the wages of sin is death. And boy, I did a little bit of that maybe, possibly sinning. So probably not going to get through the Enoch thing. But this is what it goes on to say in Hebrews chapter 11. It says, now before he was taken, he was committed as having pleased God and without faith is it Im it is impossible to please God for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and he rewards those who seek him Enoch's not dying was reward for seeking diligently after God I think our whole heart of the matter is that we want to be people who please God. How many want to please God? Surely everyone in the room, right? But without faith, Scripture tells us, it's impossible to please God. It's completely impossible. And then it goes on to say, okay, here's, here's the recipe for that. First of all, you've got to believe that He exists. A and not just like he exists, he exists. That's what we talked about last week. Even even demons believe that he exists. But there's something in faith that goes beyond that to a fully persuasion into God. I don't just believe you exist. I, I believe in who you are and what you're trying to accomplish. And I partner with that. And that you reward those who diligently seek you. you you're going to honor those who honor you. And, and I don't mean this in a way of, I'm going to seek the Lord so I can 
have some great reward. I don't think that's the heart of it. If you're trying to look for God because you're like, hey, there's a prize later. Um, that'd be great. That's not what he's getting here. Can I tell you? He's the prize. He's the prize. And, and when I say that, sometimes people are like, so I'm seeking God so I can have God. He's the reward. And some people aren't, for, they're like, that doesn't sound interesting to me. I don't, you, you've never tasted and seen that the Lord is good. Because once you do, nothing else is quite as interesting anymore. It says in Psalms 105, verse 4, it says, Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his presence continually. In 1 Chronicles twenty-two nineteen, 19, it says, so, Now set your mind and your heart to seek the Lord your God. Arise and build a sanctuary. He's talking to Solomon here. Arise and build the sanctuary of the Lord God. So the ark of the covenant of the Lord and the holy vessel of God may be brought into a house built for the name of the Lord. And the reason I have that whole part on there, yeah, it says that we need to, to put our mind and our heart to seek the Lord. But the whole purpose of it, the whole purpose of the temple, the whole purpose of us seeking the Lord is so that the name of the Lord will be honored. Because he is the reward. It's not having all these other things that get we get. Because it tells us in Matthew 6, 33, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all these things will be given to you. But it, we're not seeking so that all these things will be given to us. It's like once we really get our eyes set on him, all the other things. Uh, we, we used to sing a, a song. And, and, and how does it get it said? It says, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full at his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory. Turn your eyes on Jesus and everything else goes dim. I apologize for singing. Should add Zach. Come on up. Everything else goes dim when we really get our eyes on Jesus. All the stuff that we needed, it's not quite as important anymore as when we truly have our eyes on Jesus. In Isaiah 55, it says the same thing. It says, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his ways and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Ooh, that's a good one right there. Forsake your unrighteous thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him. The Lord is so full of compassion. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are high the earth, higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. And, and what's crazy is we use this verse when we're like telling Christians to dream big. You're like, well, you know, his ways are higher than your ways, and his thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And he's like, man, you really need to dream big. God could do more. 
when you read this verse, it's not talking about dream big. It's talking about seek the Lord. It's not talking about you dream big and, and, and he'll think higher than you can. No, it, what he's saying is seeking the Lord is the higher thought. Seeking the Lord is the higher way. And, and I'm all for encouraging Christians to dream big and all that. But um, you've heard me say before, don't believe in your dreams. Don't ever tell someone to believe in their dreams. They might have a terrible dream. The only dream we want is to seek the Lord. That's the one thing. Right? The psalmist said, one thing I desire. What? It's to see your face. I want to know you. That is the one thing of all the other things in the world. I want to know who you are. I want to know what your thoughts are. I, know what, I want to know what your ways are. Because, Lord, I want to be like you. And, Zach, you can come. It says, in, in Colossians chapter 3, this is the third time we've dipped into Colossians. Maybe you guys just need to read Colossians chapter 3 this week. It says, if then you have been raised with Christ. How many have been raised with Christ? Seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. And that's where we really find our hang-up. And that's the reason we have problems with people sometimes. We get so offended. We get so angry. It's because we're putting our mind on that person. I'm dipping back into my forgiveness sermon accidentally. We get our minds so caught up on what they are doing or what they have done. Or we look at our situation. Maybe it's not a person. It's just a situation we're in. We get so caught up in that one thing. We're putting our mind on the things of this earth. Instead of letting them grow dim. What we're supposed to do is put our minds on things that are above. God, I want to know what your thoughts are on this matter. And the word is the way we know that. But if we can set our minds on things above, what, what Hebrews 11 is telling us is that we will please him because we're seeking him. And he's going to reward us with himself. In 1 Chronicles 28, 9, it says this, And you, Solomon, my son, know the God of your father and serve him with a whole heart, that's David, and with a willing mind. For the Lord searches all hearts and understands every plan and thought. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will cast you off forever. What's great here is this says is if you seek him he will be found by you if you look for him he's gonna you're gonna find him he wants to give himself away and I think I've told this story before but in my house we like to play a lot of hide and seek more so when the girls were younger they still ask for it. The younger one asks for it all the time. The older one, she's getting an age where she can take it or leave it, you know. She's too cool. But they want to play hide and seek. And I pride myself in being a really good hider. Even Aaron can't find me sometimes. It's my favorite thing. I just, 
just laughing on the inside. They're walking past me several times, and I'm just laughing on the inside. It's not my goal to stay hidden forever. Because, see, when they find me, there's this fun little chase that happens afterwards, right? And so we do this thing in my house when we're hiding to give them a hint of where we're at. We do this little cuckoo-cachoo. It's dumb. It's silly. But it's a way of saying, the other day we were playing. They thought I was outside. They were about to run outside. And I'm like, cuckoo-cachoo. Wait, he's in the house. They get closer. They look a little longer. They're about to give up. Cuckoo-cachoo. I think he's in this bedroom. Of course, they're terrified. Terrified because they know it's going to happen. I'm going to find them before they find me. When they get close, they know I'm going to jump out and just grab them and scare the pee out of them. Because that's the fun part. How many know we have a good father? And what, what Scripture tells us is, is if you start seeking him, he will be found by you. So as you begin to look for the Lord, you're going to be looking, maybe you go in the wrong place. He's good. You know what he does? He goes, Cuckoo-cachoo! Wait, I think he's over here actually. And what's so great about our God is when you start to get close, he isn't going to wait. Remember the story of the prodigal son? While he was a long way off, the father ran to greet him. He's going to jump out and grab you up in his arms, and it might scare the pee out of you a little bit. It might. Some of you remember the day you got saved, and that's what happened. The day you got saved and gave your life to Christ, God just wrapped you up in his arms, and you couldn't believe the way it meant you felt. You couldn't believe that the God of the universe would even care about who you are. It humbled you in a way that it scares you a little bit. And that should be our posture of our heart every day is, okay, Father, you're a good Father. I want to know who you are today because I know if I begin to look for you today, I know you're going to start calling out to me. I know that I can find you. And what I w would like us to do, you can close your Bibles and just kind of make yourself ready to move if you need to. But what I want to do for the last part of this service is to take some time to seek the Lord. Seeking the Lord takes time. You can't just mentally assent to it and say, yes, Pastor Drew, that's really good. You're right. I need to seek the Lord. Lord, I, I seek you. Remember me looking for that paycheck? I looked for it. I mean, I looked for it. It took time. It took effort. It took energy. And can I tell you, seeking the Lord isn't something you can just say, well, yeah, I believe I'll seek the Lord. No, it, you need to look for Him. You need to look for Him. You need to cry out to Him. You need to tell, If you haven't felt His presence in a while, then you need to have a conversation with the Lord about that. Lord, I haven't felt you, and I don't know why. 
But God, I know I need you, so this is me beginning to seek you. Maybe you've never felt the Lord before. Or I don't even know what they're talking about up there. About the day they got saved. This morning I would press you to seek the Lord. Seek Him while He may be found. And the Lord is good. The Lord is good. He will be found. He will be found. But only to the degree that you're willing to seek Him. So let's just take some time this morning. Nothing's going to go on besides everything, which is you seeking the Lord. Let's seek Him just for a while this morning. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, including service times, contact information, and online giving, please visit www.fhop.church. 